I got interested in mind reading and, and fortune telling, fake fortune telling, you know. And I got to know a lot of old fakes who had retired as millionaires, you know. And they told me their secrets, how you do it. They're things that are called cold readings. A cold reading is you warm up the sucker by telling him things that he says, how could he ever know that, you see? You say, you know, between the ages of uh, 13 and 15, you had a, a great change came in your life. But that happens in everybody's life. <laughs> but, but he says, he came in and told me things I already said. You've got a scar on your knee. Everybody fell down and has a scar on their knee. Those are cold readings, you see? I have a scar. Now, I have a scar on my knee. How you did do. you know that? Yeah, you see? <laughs> Just something bigger than myself. Yeah. Well, now, the point about this is that you, after they're warmed up, they're amazed by this knee bit and the rest of it, they start telling you. Because you just say, is it sin? You see from their face it is or it isn't. And then you tell it back and they say, how did he do it, you see? So I was bored. I was playing in Kansas City with Catherine Cornell one time, and uh, we didn't have any matinee on Wednesday, so I hired a, a room and put Dr. Swami fortune teller, you know? Two dollar readings. For a whole day I was a fortune teller, faking. But then there began to happen to me the thing that does happen to fortune tellers and which is the occupational disease of fraudulence fortune tellers. And they have a name for it. It's called becoming a shut-eye. And a shut-eye in the argo of these crooks is the fellow who believe, begins to believe himself. You see, and you make these wild guesses. One of them explained to me, he says, supposing you're a night clerk in a hotel, and when you get the job, first of all, a fellow comes in, wants a single room, you look at how good his luggage is, how good are his shoes, and you tell him there's a room in the court, there's no room, or yes, sir, depending on various pieces of evidence. He says, you've been a night clerk long enough, you glance and you tell him. You've been a night clerk a little longer, and you don't have to look. The computer in here has made all of those deductions without your being conscious of it. So the mind reader gets so that he, without thinking, does that, and then they say it's true. And a woman came in to me at the end of my, my career as a, as a fraudulent fortune teller in a bright print dress, sat down, looking perfectly all right, and I said, you've lost your husband last week. And she burst into tears, she had. And then I quit. <laughs> that was yes, it's one of those things. Undoubtedly, it's not psychic. Undoubtedly, there was evidence of a tragedy. There was all kinds of things that went into the computer and got processed without me crookedly thinking what I'm going to say to her. And that's how it works. Sir. Be advised that this show is not for children, the faint of heart, or the easily offended. The explicit tag is there for a reason. This is Cognitive Dissonance. Every episode, we blast anyone who gets in our way. We bring critical thinking, skepticism, and irreverence to any topic that makes the news, makes it big, or makes us mad. It's skeptical, it's political, and there is no welcome, Matt. This show is a landmark show. Listeners, 
heads snap up at this point. I can hear it. <laughs> I can hear it. You know, everybody listening to this show thought that we would all be raptured by this point. I know it. You know, we're recording. It's post-rapture. <laughs> I'm actually in hell right now. <laughs> we actually, we initially got raptured, then we got re-raptured. Yeah, it was just, the, it was a paperwork yeah. thing, you know? Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> they didn't file it correctly and, tri- and triplicate. I, I did so. play the Blondie song, just, you know... <laughs> But only about a third of it because it's such a bad that, song. <laughs> that song has the worst rap in it ever. Like the worst rap. Like the guy who was actually recording it with her was like, "You're you're really gonna say this? Like you're really you're really gonna say this?" And she's like, "Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about cars and people in bars and yeah, it's gonna be awesome." Also, more coke, please. <laughs> <laughs> so we've just got to snap right into my uh, my favorite personal story of the week. Uh, Harold Camping seems to have disappeared. Uh, perhaps it was a personal rapture, like a one-person <laughs> rapture, uh, because he has uh, canceled his show. He's dropped out of sight is what uh, the news reports. I think that's an amusing way to uh, yeah, phrase that. Way to put it. <laughs> fucking rapture. It was just, you know, here's the thing. Here, it, it, it's a personal rapture. Right? You know, like, you have to have a personal relationship with Jeebus. So you get a personal rapture. Why would we share a rapture? Can't, can't we get a little fucking individual attention? No! God, that would be ridiculous. What I, love is, what I love is that he answers the door in, like, his bathrobe and his walker. And then he says, he says to the people outside, we are not having a conversation. He said, shaking his head with a chuckle, there's nothing to report here. Oh, Harold, you fucking douchebag. You convinced all these people in fucking May to, like, fucking get rid of their fortune, fucking, you know, disowned members of their family. Hell, one lady tried to fucking cut her own kid's jugular veins. Right. And and you're just like, oh, there's no story here. I disagree, Harold. I think there's a great fucking story here. And the story is you're a fucking idiot. If he had any integrity at all. He'd be liquidating all of his assets and trying to give a portion of that money back to the people who donated it. I don't. Right. I haven't heard that story. You know, I haven't. I hear like a like a ride chuckle. Like, <laughs> well, that looks like I was wrong again. Yeah, it's fucking hilarious. Tell that to the fucking poor people during a recession. Yeah. Who gave you all their money? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. We're not technically right. in a recession anymore. We're in a downturn, Tom. It's downturn. a downturn. Yeah. You know, I, I, what I just want to say about this, though, is that, you know, he, he predicted it once. He predicted it again. He's like, oh, yeah, I kind of fucked up. And, you know, I, it's going to be five months from now. Now, is it now is he going to keep on having it? So next time he's like, no, no, I messed up. It's two and a half months from now. He predicted this in 1994. Then he predicted it again uh, recently. Then he. Repredicted it. And each time he said the same thing, right? He said, oh, you know, it's a math error. <laughs> Get a calculator. Check your math. You know, don't trust 90-year-olds to do math either. You know, like that, that's also another, another lesson we can glean from this. So Santorum's made some more insightful comments proving that he is a strong candidate for the GOP nomination. Um, in that he equated uh, gay marriage, or his fight against gay marriage, to Lincoln's fighting against slavery. This is exactly how he frames it. 
I have been a longtime advocate for states' rights. However, I believe, as Abraham Lincoln did, that states don't have the right to legalize moral wrongs. And what he's saying is the legalizing of moral wrongs in Abraham Lincoln's day was slavery. And today, legalizing moral wrongs is gay marriage in the, in the like, fucking three places in the United States you can actually fucking do it. <laughs> what he, he's missing the point. It's not about moral wrongs. It's about freedom, right? Like, let's look at it in that lens. Instead of looking at it as, I think something is wrong, let's look at it in a, in a different lens. Let's say, I think that people should be free. People should be free. Now, what is that? Let's look at Abraham Lincoln. He thought people should be free. So he, you know, worked on freeing the slaves with a lot of other people. <laughs> right. right, right. So I think, you know, homosexuals should have, a, have the freedom to marry whoever they want. If that person happens to be of the same sex, they happen to be of the same sex, I agree. Suddenly, I am akin to Abe Lincoln because I agree. I agree in freedom. I believe in freedom. I think that's a better an analogy than what he's trying to get. Yeah, you're, you're, that analogy actually kind of works. You know, this this idea that um, states should not have uh, the right to legalize moral wrongs, it, it presupposes his position as unattackable. That gay right. marriage is a is a moral wrong, you know. It's easy to uh, say that slavery is a moral wrong. You have an injured party, you have human beings treated as fucking property, right? Bought and sold at marketplaces. I mean, it, it, it's there is a clear uh, a victim in the case of slavery. You know, actually, in the case of slavery, it's more like twelve million victims. But sure, yeah, I mean, who's the victim? In order for something to be a moral wrong, don't I have to have a victim? Don't you have to be able to stand up and display in front of me the person who's been damaged by a consensual long-term partnership with a loving adult? Well, that's Rick Santorum. He's been damaged. Fair enough. He's been damaged. Fair enough. Yeah. It's a moral yeah. wrong. Yeah. Um, I think these people who compare themselves to great figures in politics and in, in uh, philosophy and in religious figures, that's never a good idea, right? It Nobody has ever come out smelling like roses when they compare themselves to Lincoln, Rosa Parks, or Jesus. People do it all the time. Like every election cycle, somebody is doing that. Right. And every election cycle, people are like, whoa, whoa, it's whoa. It's always the people that are so far away. It's like, it's like the whitest guy comparing himself to Rosa Parks. Right, you know? I know. It's never President Obama being like, you know what, Rosa Parks and me. You know, it's never that guy. It's always like fucking McCain who's like, you know what, <laughs> I sat with Rosa Parks. Actually, I bounced her on my fucking knee. I'm sure you're aware of the fact that there are these protests going on down around Wall Street, right. Occupy Wall Street. Uh, they've spread to some other cities right. in the country. What do you make of that? What do they make of it? What do they want? Well, they... I don't know what they want, but I think they think that the banks have given them a raw deal over the last few years. I don't have facts to back this up. So Herman Cain, um, Dan Savage, has called out Herman Cain. Herman Cain's made some comments um, regarding his stance on gay marriage and homosexuality. And really, one of the more controversial things that he's said is that he believes that homosexuality is a choice. In fact, he said something along the lines of, you know, show me the science and maybe I'll be convinced. And I have to say, I actually, when I heard him say that, I thought, okay, at least he would be willing to 
ostensibly. I don't know if I believe him, but at least he's I, saying I that he him. would be willing to revisit his stance. Sorry, I don't believe him. In the face of evidence. Yeah. I, I don't believe that because the evidence is fucking legion. And so to remain ignorant of it is to remain at this point, I think, willfully ignorant. Right. I think that's true. It's kind of the creationist stance, right? Like, hey, hey, whoa, show me the evidence. Like, well, here's the evidence. And, oh, show me the evidence. <laughs> fucking, I am showing you the evidence. I fucking rolled the evidence into a fucking paper log, and I am beating you over the fucking head with the evidence. I'm swatting you like a disobedient dog with the evidence. Like, someone's just going to, like, walk up to him with, like, a scientific paper, whap him on the oh. nose with it. Look what you did here, Herman. Look what you did here. <laughs> I'm going to rub his nose in it. Rub his He's going to rub his nose Santorum. in some Santorum. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think Dan Savage has had enough of it. Dan Savage mentioned on the show previously. He's a uh, uh, syndicated sex columnist. He's also got a podcast, Savage Love. Um, he called out Herman Cain and basically said, hey, um, in fact, I'll read it. If being gay is a choice, show us the proof. Choose it. Choose to be gay yourself. Show America how that's done, Herman. Show us how a man can choose to be gay. Suck my dick, Herman. <laughs> Name the time and the place, and I'll bring my dick and a camera crew, and you can suck me off and win the argument. <laughs> Very sincerely yours, uh, Dan Savage. Uh that's fucking brilliant. You know, I, and we talked about this a couple of weeks ago when we were like, well, you know, when was the time in your life, you know, conservative politicians, conservative guys that think being gay is a choice? When was the time that you choose to be straight? When was that time? Because ask any like I can ask any of my straight friends and hell, I'll ask you right now, Tom. Tom, are you attracted to any males like sexually? No, neither am no, I. I'm just not. I'm just not. That doesn't mean it's wrong. It just means that I'm not. So I know I'm a heterosexual. Like, you know, I just know that I am and I know it because that's how I can't just choose to be gay. I can't just walk and be like, right. damn, that dude is fine. You know, it just doesn't that those words just don't work for me. So I know that I am a straight person. Everybody who is straight knows that they're straight and they somehow have this awful problem. Like they think everybody's born straight. What he's what Herman Cain is trying to say. Here's what, here's what Herman Cain is trying to say is that everybody is born straight. So you don't have to prove that you're straight. You don't have to choose that you're right, straight. Right, right. It's straight as the straight default. Straight as the default. Saying. Yeah. So you have to choose to be gay. That's what he's saying. Anybody who's straight should understand why that argument doesn't work. Right? Because I could no more choose to be gay than than a gay person would choose to be could choose to be straight. And and what would the incentive be? In our society, there's no benefit either. It's not like yeah, it's right. not like being gay has a benefit. Actually, has a detriment. Suddenly, you get bullied. Suddenly you could get yeah. gay bashed to death. Suddenly you get people like Herman Cain, you know, basically saying that you're a faker. Right, yeah, that, you're, that you've chosen to live a lifestyle that ostracizes you from friends, family, and community. Right. The thing I think that I really want to focus on, though, Tom, I mean, I think, you know, obviously we've talked about this shit in the past, but one of the things I want to focus on is this article in particular. Um, I had found out this story a while back, and I think you and I had even talked about it and joked about it, but... This article in particular, when I just did a search to sort of put it in our notes, I found this article is really scathing, just like attacking Dan Savage for saying this, like how horrible of a thing to say to Herman Cain. And I, I, I was just baffled by this article. Yeah, well, the article, I think, takes too seriously what's obviously a joke. Dan Savage isn't really saying, hey, let's get together for a sexual rendezvous yeah. with Herman Cain. <laughs> if you right? think that, you're so stupid. Yeah, it's it. He's making a point, and he's making a point in a, in a humorous way. It's 
It's a fucking satirical point. And this article misses the point and instead treats it as if it was like a genuine offer to allow Herman Cain to fillet him. <laughs> you know, and that's I don't that's not at all like, you know, he's, he uses the phrase suck my dick. You know, you don't you rarely actually have that action performed when that's how you present the offer, right? Like, <laughs> well, I don't know about you, Tom, but it seems to work for me. Right, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, you see, we'll move forward from here, but I'm going to doubt that very you see, much. You seem incredulous, Tom. I don't know, Tom. You don't believe me. You know, the, this article that, that's, that suggests, um, you know, and, and it goes on to suggest that it is at best megalomaniacal for Savage to assume that being sexually attracted to men necessarily implies being sexually attracted to Dan Savage. He's not fucking saying that, stupid. Yeah. What he's saying is Herman Cain isn't going to suck anybody's dick because Herman Cain's not gay. And Herman Cain knows he's not gay. Just like Dan Savage knows he's not going to eat any pussy because he's not straight. <laughs> That's how that fucking works. Yeah. You don't perform oral sex on fucking genders you're unattracted to. Not that you will perform oral sex on anyone in the gender you're attracted to. <laughs> He's not really saying that, you dimwit. You know, I'm heterosexual. I'm not attracted to all women. I'm just like, all women are equal. Ah. Plus, you know, I have to say, like, fucking read Dan Savage's I column. Know, I know. Be familiar with his body of work before you talk about one of the things he has done. God damn. What a stupid motherfucker yeah, that guy is. Yeah. That's a dumb fucking article. Great question. I think what helps is for that politician to have a foundation of having come from the real people of America, the working class, those who make up the majority of Americans who are so extremely concerned about the direction of our country. Take Herb Cain. So Herman Cain, um, man, I like this guy, Cecil. I like the GOP's field right now. Because it's a crazy yeah, feeling. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And and Herman Cain, initially, I was like, oh, he seems harmless. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, no, 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 no. Um, December 2010, GOP presidential primary candidate complains that Jesus was killed by liberals. And this is not out of context. Allow me to read this. After running through a list of reasons Cain believes Jesus to be a model right-winger... That's a stretch. The presidential <laughs> contender concludes that the liberal court was responsible for his death. The liberal court found him guilty of false offenses and sentenced him to death, all because he changed the hearts and minds of men with an army of 12. His death reset the clock of time. Never before and not since has there ever been such a perfect conservative. <laughs> this is the greatest story. Mike posted this on our Facebook, and I have to say, this is a great find. One of my favorite parts of the article says, um, but his claim is baffling for all kinds of reasons. Only one of which is the fact that liberals tend to be ideolo ideologically opposed to capital punishment. <laughs> Wait, you want to say, okay, look, Jesus was a fucking hippie. If there was a liberal 
in the world that people look up to, it's fucking Jesus. I mean, the guy, right. he's a fucking, he's, he's rolling around, uh, you know, feeding the poor, flipping over the fucking money changers place. I mean, he's, he occupied the synagogue back then. Yeah, right. For Christ's no sake. Kidding. He's like, like occupied he, Jerusalem. Yeah, that dude was fucking, OG. <laughs> yeah, he was fucking totally down. Like, he's fucking <laughs> occupied. Like, he was a fucking 99 percenter. Like, give me a break. Like, the, Jesus was not a fucking, Jesus was not. A conservative and like like really the idea that that he would even bring this up why would you even bring this up like like the only reason you're doing this is to cater to the evangelical vote right like the only right. reason you're because you're not doing this to cater to the normal person like the normal person doesn't care whether or not you fucking you are like the embodiment of Jesus or whatever nobody cares like the normal person of this in this country does not give a fuck it's the crazy people who will not vote for you because you're a different skin color than the Jesus they imagine. I, you know, I've always understood conservatism to um, imply that you want to conserve a status quo, that you want to look back at sort of an idealized time and, and, and function within that time period, right? But Jesus was kind of a radical. Wasn't Jesus's whole thing about like, like challenging authority and challenging the status quo? Wasn't that like a big part of why they fucking killed him? To me, they come across more as anti-capitalism. That's basically what it comes across as. When I was growing up, I was blessed to have had parents that didn't teach me to be jealous of anybody and didn't teach me to be envious of somebody. It is not a person's fault because they succeeded. It is a person's fault if they fail. So Herman Cain's got a problem with his $9.99 plan, and it's not that he's giving away pizzas too cheap. $5, put no. His $9.99 tax plan, really, for the godfather of pizza, this was a bad decision. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just don't fucking A, really? Uh, really? Anyway, for the, God, really? Yeah. Fucking $9.99 tax plan? Can I get pepperoni on it? I, anyway. <laughs> oh, God. So his 999 tax plan, he keeps saying things like, do the math. Just do the math. You know, he doesn't really expound on yeah. it in any meaningful <laughs> sense. He's just like, do the math. And then people do the math and they're like, but people pay more money. Yeah. That's more money. A lot more money. Not an insubstantial amount more money. And the people who pay the most, wait for it. Lower middle class Americans. Well, of course. He was hoping that we were going to use like Harold Camping's math. That's what he was hoping. Well, you know, 999 is a biblically significant number. <laughs> if you flip it over. Michelle Bachman was concerned about <laughs> If you invert the number. Oh, gosh. Really? So if I change the number into a different number and then reference your imaginary book, <laughs> it's scary. Uh, 668 is the neighbor of the beast. Yes, you can't go with 667 either. It's just before. It's like the predecessor. It's like Junior the Beast, you know? Like, so. 12, okay. 12, 12, 12, 12 is fucking horrifying, yeah. by the way. That's just. Because that's like double the beast, man. Oh, man. That's a shitty fucking dice roll. That's too. double coupon um, Tuesday at the beast yeah. store. Yeah. That's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> oh. ridiculous. So, okay, well, what what is this plan? What is this plan really talking about here? What he's what he's trying to say is that um, there'd be a nine percent sales tax. There'd be a nine percent uh, dollars 
that would come out of your wages, and then businesses would have a 9% tax. And one of the things that they're pointing out, which I think rightfully so, is that the businesses would have to fucking pass that on to the fucking employee or the customer in some way. Right. Because they're not willing to take that fucking tax on themselves because it's a brand new tax. Just be like, well... I guess we'll just get taxed. They're not going to do that. They're going to find a way to defer that cost. So they're either going to raise their prices for goods, which you're going to have to pay as the consumer, or they're going to raise their they're going to raise the the lower the wage for workers, which you're going to pay as an employee. So there's no way that this is not going to work its way down the fuck. I mean, shit rolls downhill, right? That's the fucking that's the fucking line. Well, shit is going to roll downhill. Shit is going to roll downhill if they do this. They're going to the person who is the lowest on the ladder is going to get fucked because of this. A nine percent sales tax, it I think that is that is kind of ridiculous. Here's here's a system you could use. You know, for every uh, like certain amount of money that you make, why don't they? Why don't you get a separate sales tax? Why don't you have to show people a card that has your sales tax on it? A, a progressive tax that gets progressively more as more people because the people that make the most money spend the least amount of money fucking providing regular things for themselves because they don't like. There's no way a person who makes you know a million dollars a year is eating way more than I am and spending all that <laughs> money on regular stuff than I am. Like it's not. Truffles and saffron. Ah, Those people are thin anyway, Tom. So there's no way they're eating more than me anyway. Period. Okay. But secondly, there's 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 just no way that they're spending that kind of money to subsist, right? Just to live. Right. So so the fact is is that they're getting off paying a lot less in taxes because most of their money isn't going to buying things for themselves like all the rest of us. So it's a regressive tax. It's naturally regressive to have a national sales tax. Now, if you give people outs or you give them less taxes as the lower they go, then that makes a little more sense, at least, if you're going to have a national sales tax. The other thing he's doing is taking away all the benefits of being married or not not being married, because in marriage, actually in this country, you actually get penalized for being married. Um, or at least you did. I don't know if you still do. I'm not sure. Uh, but you, you, they take away the benefits of having children, though, because like the children, you wouldn't get the exemption for the children. You wouldn't have to pay, though, for like Social Security, but then you wouldn't also have Social Security. Right. Yeah, that's a bit of a bummer. You know, like, where's my security? Mm, I don't have any fucking security. Right. Wait, what? What? We all, none of us pretend that we're going to have social security anyway. I pretend, still. Cecil. Uh, I snuggle up to my social security <laughs> teddy bear every night and I pretend so hard. G- given the state of my current life, there's no way I'm going to make it to an age where social security is going to be collectible anyway. <laughs> I, I wake up, I look in the mirror, I'm like, I got a fucking, I'm a fat man with a high stress lifestyle. Are you kidding me? Yeah. 67. <laughs> Work till you die, baby. That's how oh, it rolls. Oh, man, I'm dying young. This is a terrible plan. This is a terrible plan. And one of the things that his his campaign folks say is the Kane campaigns that his plan will not hurt people with lower incomes. Because under his plan, employers would save $4,000 in Social Security taxes. And that's that's the real point, right? Save money for businesses. And that money could then be passed along to employees, creating a system which everyone benefits. It will not get passed along to employees. No, of course we've, not. We've talked about this. We've seen this. Evidence demonstrates that just because a business can pay more money to an employee doesn't mean that it will pay more money to an employee. It's it, it, There's no reason to suspect that you know corporate conglomerate A – who is answerable to its shareholders to provide to them a profit and to increase the value of their stock, that they're going to receive a benefit of $4,000 per employee. And let's say they employ 
let's say they're a medium to large company and they employ 75 to 100 people. You're, you're really going to sell me that they're going to take, you know, three or four million dollars a year and just give it back because they can? Really? They're not going to do that. They don't have they it wouldn't even be fucking fiscally responsible for them to do that. They have a responsibility to their shareholders to make as much money as they can. It's not a, it, it corporations aren't set up to be moral entities. So th- this idea that like well they could just give it back to the employee. Yeah, but they won't. They yeah, won't sure. cuz they could claim it as profit. Yeah. And why would they? What? And the other the other thing too, I saw a fucking graph recently where they showed fucking all the like imagine if it, it, like a line and there's bar graph going up or below the line and the and the blues, you know, there's a blue line that shows how much more we'd be paying and it showed the 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 five different classes based on 20%. So it's the the lowest 20%, you know, the the second highest 20% and the up, up, sure. up until the top 20%. And everybody up, the 80% of the people, 80% of the people that are making money in this country would pay more taxes with Herman Cain in there. The only people that would benefit are the top 20%, and they were down by a little. But the top 1% were down by over $200,000 in taxes, and the top one-tenth one of 1%, they were down by $1.4 million in taxes. And the reason why, Tom, is because there's no more taxes on capital gains. They take that out, right? So there's no more making money off money. You don't get taxed for that anymore. So those people that are at the very, very top that really don't have to work anymore, that just make money off of having money, those people just get in, like exponentially more wealthy because there's no more tax on that. So, you know, these people are making money off this country hand over fist and they're just going to keep making it and then they don't pay their own fair share. How is that fucking, how is that even remotely fair? Like they're supposed to be calling this a fair tax. There's nothing fair about it. Wait, and I don't understand how it benefits the economy in general. You know, if, if the vast majority of Americans earn their money through wages, wages then drive the economy. That's the money that moves around in the country. That's the movie that go that's the money that goes to purchase goods and services from local businesses. That's the money that goes to buy TVs. That's the money that goes to purchase health insurance. All that right. that's the real money. That's when you buy a house and you buy a car. If most people are making their money from wages, then wages are moving the economy. So if you depress people's ability to spend wages by taxing wages, at a rate higher than investment, then you're going to create a, an economy that is slower, an economy where the money moves less, the majority of the money moves less. Now, I know that the majority of the money is controlled not by wage earners, but by the ultra wealthy. But those people aren't taking that money and purchasing goods and services. They're taking that money and reinvesting that money in the stock market. They're reinvesting that money in uh, you, know, you know, bonds and, and, and other forms of investment, some of which are incredibly esoteric. But that money isn't working to create jobs. That money is working to create more money. Right. You know, you, you want to push the economy forward. You've got to put hands in the money. You've you got to put money, rather, in the hands of the people who spend money. Lord, the day is at hand. We are in the last days. You are Jehovah God. So Michelle Bachman... Another uh, leader, not actually leader any longer, in the uh, GOP, um, she's a little geographically challenged, Cecil. She doesn't seem to understand the location <laughs> of such countries. And when I say location, I don't mean she can't find them on a map. I mean she can't identify 
the continent. How many continents <laughs> do we have again? Seven? Isn't one of them Antarctica? We only one have to them, contend with six. Right. You and, really only have to do six because but, one of them is easy to remember. And the other yeah. one's Australia. That's yeah. just one country. Yeah. So we're yeah. down to five. You've got to yeah. remember, boom, five continents. Yeah. North America's got three countries. You narrowed down to four. <laughs> right? I'm, I'm sorry. Ain't that fucking hard, dum-dum. Yeah, yeah it's really not that hard. Uh, she thought that what she said was um, – now with the president, he's put us in Libya, and he's now putting us into Africa. We're already stretched too thin, and and he put special <laughs> operation forces in Africa. And what, she wasn't referring to Libya being in Africa. She was referring to other troops that we've sent into the rest of Africa, even though Libya is directly in Africa. <laughs> it, 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 the article cracks me up because it just very dryly is like, Libya, it should be noted, is in Africa, <laughs> which is great. You know, there's there's like this idea that the candidates don't need to know about. We don't need to know about those other countries. You know, I don't need to know if Libya is in Africa or, you know, Australia. It doesn't matter to me. You know, what do I care? And Herman Cain actually said, um, I don't know the president of Ubeki Becky Becky Stan Stan. So Michelle Bachman doesn't seem to think that it's important to know which continent. <laughs> And then we're not even talking about countries that we're not involved with. I know, I know. We're talking about countries where we have fighter jets flying missions. Just figure out the continent, dum-dum. Yeah. Just figure out the continent. Herman Cain doesn't think it's important. He doesn't seem to think it's important to know where Rebecca Becky Becky Sandstan is. <laughs> I can't believe he said that. I can't. Let me just play that clip real quick for the, for the audience here. Are you ready for the gotcha questions? They're coming from the media and others on foreign policy. Who's the president of Uzbekistan? All, you know, all of this stuff. It's, it's coming. Yes. And how are you dealing with that? I'm ready for the gotcha questions. And they are already starting to come. And when they ask me who's the president of Uzbeki, Becky, 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 Stan, Stan, I'm going to say, you know, I don't know. Do you know? And then I'm going to say, how's that going to create one job? I want to focus on the top priorities of this country. That's what leaders do. They make sure that the nation is focused on the critical issues with critical solutions. Knowing who is the head of some of these small, insignificant states around the world, I don't think that is something that's critical to focusing on national security and getting this economy going. What? Presidential. <laughs> Really? Wait, 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 wait to build bridges before you even get an office there, Herman. That's good. You know, and, it, and the funny thing is that he chose Uzbekistan because I was just reading, you know, that Uzbekistan and the United States have actually been working toward creating a better relationship because it's, it's important to have a relationship there in case we need entrance into Pakistan. Uzbekistan is actually pretty conveniently located for some of our national security interests. Yeah. So building relationships with what Herman Cain calls small, insignificant countries is fucking important. Yeah. I, I don't understand how you could possibly support a group of people or, or a candidate who looks at, at your national policy and scoffs at the idea of being knowledgeable. And it's like Dawkins said. You remember that, like that article that Dawkins said of all the people in the United States that should be running for president, we get 
We get these people. We get right. the Bachmans. We get the Palins. You should fucking have somebody who's such a hyper genius that they could look at you and make your fucking head explode. Those are the people you want in office. You want somebody in there who, who when you say, what's the capital of whatever the fuck, they could be like, yeah, I know the capital of that city. Oh, and they're important because. Right. You know, not, oh, I, don't, I don't know who it is. Do you know who it is? Yeah, look, you know, 200 and whatever countries, I understand you don't know who the president of every country is. I think that's – but your approach to the information shouldn't be, well, that's not important. I don't care. I don't care. Unimportant. Eh. How about, you know, I'm not really sure, but that's something that's important to me and it's important to this country and I'll find out. And believe me, I'll do the research before engaging in a dialogue with them. Yeah. I'll, I'll respect their cultural traditions, you know, all the things that you need to do as somebody who's going to be the head of our foreign policy. And Michelle Bachman's the same way. She's like, and you know, like, look, I understand what what, what people are saying. They're, they're, I, I think that there's some defense of this of what she's saying, but I think it's pretty obvious that she didn't know that Libya was in Africa. I think it's right. pretty fucking obvious from that statement. She had no idea that Libya was in Africa. What she's, what what people are trying to say is that she's referring to other places in Africa. But I think that's bullshit. No, you know. No. That's like her saying, well, here we are in the Middle East. Pretty soon we're going to have troops in Asia. <laughs> Both Russia and Europe. Yeah. Um, it, it <laughs> <laughs> That's like you're calling the Middle East a continent, though. Right. You know what it I mean? Is. Like referring to the Middle East as a continent. You're like, look, I'm not a fucking I'm not I'm not a fucking constitutional scholar like you are, Mrs. Bachman. And I'm not a fucking I'm not a, a representative of, of my state. I don't I certainly don't make the kind of money that you do. But I, I at least know that fucking Libya is part of fucking Africa. No, it's look, not sub-Saharan Africa, but it's Africa. And I know that you don't have to have a J.D. from Oral Roberts University. <laughs> To figure this stuff out. Yeah, you need a map. You need to have the, the, the interest in the world that is equivalent to an eighth grader in the Model UN. Dear citizens of the internet, since its inception, the World Wide Web has become a prominent medium for individuals such as journalists and activists alike. However, a great injustice lurks beneath the surface. A vile infestation of abhorrent animals have been growing, parasitically spreading like cancer. Unknown to the world, it has consumed and victimized innocent children as well as adults. The growing trade of child pornography has become a major problem. While government organizations have put much effort into the dismantling of individuals and websites dedicated to this repulsive trade, the providers of this content have grown frustrated and moved their trades into a much seedier place known as the Darknet, a network dedicated only to the iniquities that are outcasted by the society who strive in. Unfortunately, a potentially benevolent resource has been corrupted by these sick and sadistic abominations of the world. When we came into this virtual realm, we were disgusted with the content that was provisioned and readily available for the perverted masses. We found that a majority of the darknet pedophiles were using a site called Lelita City. We fully intend to make it uninhabitable for these disgusting degenerates to exist without the fear of prosecution or death. This is our message, our manifesto. You may hold us to every last word, for we will never turn a deaf ear upon the screams of innocent children. You know who you are, and so do we. We are anonymous. We are legion. We do not forgive. We do not forget. Expect us. 
Anonymous, which is an internet uh, hacking group, um, has uh, exposed recently a very large ring of internet pedophiles. Um, after hacking into Lolita City, which is a darknet website, which is something I had never heard of until this article, um, they released the usernames and information of almost 1,600 people trading in kitty porn. Um, and they actually had kind of a pithy little statement, you know, saying like, hey, we found the documents, identified the users, and if the FBI, Interpol, or other law enforcement happens to come across this list, please use it to investigate and bring justice to the people listed here. <laughs> if you happen to find this thing that is right here near where I'm telling you to look, look at it. I have mixed feelings on this. And uh and and I first I don't want I don't want to make sure and make clear that the mixed feelings are not I sympathize with pedophiles. <laughs> I want to make sure that that is absolutely 100% uh, not the case. I, 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 I recognize that these people should be outed, and I think that it's an awful thing uh, to trade in child pornography, and I think if you do it and you get caught, I, I will laugh at you, and I think you should get, you know, every uh, every bit of the law should be thrown at you if, if that's you. Um, I feel kind of weird about this, though. I'm happy that it's, that it's done, but vigilante justice... Uh, to me, doesn't ever really sit well with me. Uh, there's legal processes in place for a reason because we have protections from those legal processes. Uh, there's there's a, a system that's set in place so that people can't just uh, maybe do the things that Anonymous did to find out who you are and then uh, and then prosecute you on them. That might get thrown out in court, say. Uh, so there's protections, freedoms that maybe are protecting pedophiles, but are also protecting all the rest of us too from other things. And if we start eroding away at those things, I feel a little leery. Now, I don't know the exact thing because I'm not, you know, I'm not Michelle Bachman. I'm not a constitutional scholar. So <laughs> I don't know the exact uh, laws and things that are that that might get broken by this. And I don't know if any of this evidence would be admissible even by the FBI. And that's another knock against this is if if it, the evidence is somehow, which it may or may not be, but if the evidence is somehow just able to be thrown out because the lawyer is like, well, they got it illegally, then you didn't help anyone really. And these people are just going to find another place, another dark hole on the Internet to go climb into and trade their child, their kitty porn. Yeah, I, I feel similarly. I, you know, I read this and, you know, I mean, I'll admit like my very first reaction was like, yeah, you fuckers, you know, because fucking child porn. Really? Um, that's right. awful. That's it, it doesn't need to even be said. Um, the, the concern is that vigilantism as a rule is just a bad idea, and I don't think it's, it's terribly difficult to understand why. Um, it would be much better if you had organizations linked to justice organizations, linked to criminal justice, like the FBI, like Interpol, doing this work. It would be better if Anonymous could approach the FBI and say, hey, we have tools and resources at our disposal – we would like to contract for you. We will fucking do it for free. Um, and we can find out information that your organization may not have the tools and resources to find out. And, and that way, at least, they're working within the confines of an established system. To, to, the problem, of course, comes in when a group of people decides to, to uh, establish justice on their own. Um, and... and even if Anonymous has the best of intentions all of the time, um, who's to say they always will? Who's to say that next week they don't target a group um, that is 
not the universally uh, reviled pedophile. But let's say uh, next week they target people who cheat on their taxes. Um, Or next week they target um, people that they otherwise disagree with in some way. And they attack those people and they create um, difficulty for those people. Let's say they attack people who aren't breaking a law, but people who are doing something which they think is morally questionable. Um, Because they don't answer to anybody, it's entirely feasible and entirely possible that they could choose to do that. Um, And that's one of the difficult things with vigilantism, with, with this kind of... Um, unjust justice. I, I'm, I'm glad that these 1,600 pedophiles have been exposed. I am. I'm very, very pleased. I wish that it had been done through the proper channels so that they could be um, prosecuted uh, properly. And I hope that they are prosecuted properly. But I don't know that, that this evidence isn't now tainted. An anonymous vigilante justice isn't justice. Yeah, I, I, I would I would implore all the listeners too. anybody who wants to, t- to to weigh in on this. If you have a an opinion, you could always go to dissonancepod.com, find our latest episode and comment on our blog. Or you can go find us on Facebook. Uh, we're linked directly from our website, dissonancepod.com. It's at the top. There's the Facebook logo. Just click on that and you can like us and then join in the conversation there and comment specifically on this episode. If you think that this is a good thing or a bad thing, and if you have, you have to be a lawyer or you know something about the law and you want to tell us whether or not we're right or wrong about this, um, feel free to jump in and tell us because I think Tom and I are both really conflicted on this. Happy that pedophiles got busted, kind of a little leery about how it happened. So at this point, we're going to take a quick break, allow everybody to sit back, relax, and uh, type out your hate mail. Call us, phone us, email us, whatever you want to do with your uh, complete and total dissatisfaction with the show, and uh, we'll return for the second half of the show in just a moment. You can email these assholes at dissonance.podcast at gmail.com. Be sure to visit the Cognitive Dissonance website, dissonancepod.com. Be sure to like the show on Facebook or follow us on Twitter. The Twitter handle is at dissonancepod. Thanks to everyone who shares our podcast through Facebook, Twitter, and other social media. We'd also like to thank the people who have rated us and subscribed on iTunes and Podfeed or promoted the show through message boards like Reddit. Your help is fucking greatly appreciated. So, Cecil, the Tea Party had a great idea recently. Um, they've urged uh, all business owners interested, you know, that are part of the Tea Party that are following the movement, both of them. Um, they <laughs> urged them <laughs> to stop hiring. Um, really, the height of responsible behavior during a severe, protracted economic downturn. You know, I find this. I find this actually very. Uh very in character for uh, the conservative movement in this country in general. I think that for the past several years, we have witnessed um, the conservative party in this country, whether they're the tier party or not, because don't don't come up to me and tell me, oh, well, this is a tea party. They're different. They're not fucking different. They're the exact same thing. But the conservatives in this country have for a long time stifled any move to do anything Uh whether it's you know whatever happens in the in the Congress, whatever ha- whatever the president puts forward, all those things have been stifled. Uh, you know, we talked about this a couple. Uh, I want to say maybe a couple weeks ago, um, where we had a, a grade sheet for the president, where it was like um, 
you know, whether he he made a promise during his campaign and if he kept it or, or he didn't keep it. And there was some false on there, but there was a lot of, you know, a, uh, several that were, you know, he kept a promise or he kind of kept a promise. And then there was a bunch, Tom, that you even remarked that were just stalled, stalled, yep. stalled, 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 stalled. And this is, I think, indicative of this party and indicative of this admin, this this idea, the ideals behind this party, the ideology that they that they go on, which is we will not cooperate at all. We will not meet you in the middle of the road. We will not even come close to meeting you in the middle of the road. All we are going to do is push our agenda and our agenda only, and that's all we're that's it. That's that's the that's the limit of of what we're going to do in this country. And in fact, we would rather see the country fall apart than than actually meet in the middle and do anything. Yeah. The, when you would deny people a job, an ability to pay their bills, to put food on the table, to give their kids health insurance. Deny because, yourself the ability to increase your profits even. Because you don't like the president? That's insane. Like that's that's like – that's a suicide bomber mentality, you know? Blow it all up. Yeah. Fuck it. Who cares? Yeah. You know? The, it, blow them all up. See who – let God sort them out. You know? This is – that's crazy, man. That's that's not reasonable. That's not a thoughtful position. That doesn't come from a place of rationality. That comes from this sort of uh, knee-jerk uh, reactionary position where you're just like, I don't like that guy. I don't like his policies. I don't like where he's leading the country. Burn it all down. Burn it all. I mean – you're really encouraging businesses not to hire in this climate. Businesses that ostensibly could hire, yeah, that are just going to choose not to hire people. Yeah, we bring people on, but you know, we don't want fucking President Obama reelected. Really, really, isn't that isn't that sort of insane? Isn't if your objection to the president is that you don't like his economic policy, but you're doing well enough that you're able to hire, and yet you choose not to hire? And you then damage the economy, which you turn around and continue to blame the president for? How how do you do those fucking backflips to get from here to there? So Cecil, there's plenty of great stories this week. This is a short story that is also one of my favorite. Westboro Baptist Church tweeted Steve Jobs' funeral protest via the iPhone. (laughs) It's it. This is fantastic. You know they they they're, they're saying like Steve Jobs didn't didn't create any of these devices. It was God and Steve Jobs. Uh, in fact, that's exactly what they said. It was God. God did not create the iPhone. God didn't create the iPhone. God <laughs> did not create the iPhone. God's wireless network is prayer for crying out loud. It, it is the stupidest fucking thing I've heard in a long time. Um, they also I like. WBC Steve surmised that Jobs is in hell. <laughs> surmised, I love that. <laughs> uh, so they were gonna they were gonna uh, protest uh, Steve Jobs' funeral um, via the iPhone. Let me just say that if these are the people who are going to heaven, I am going to be thankful in hell. Like I'm oh. going to be so happy. Like be like, oh, you want to torture my balls again? As long as I don't have to look at that bitch, I'm happy. <laughs> Do you know how tiresome and tedious these people would be after an hour? Oh, my God. Spend an eternity with these idiots. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. And in what is my favorite story of the week, I'm going to read this one all the way through. Man allegedly beat woman with frozen armadillo. (laughs) Dallas, only in Texas. 
A man used a frozen armadillo to attack a 57-year-old Pleasant Grove woman, Dallas police said. The incident happened in an apartment complex parking lot. According, that, I love this story for so many reasons. I'm just trying to just picture this, guys. Picture this. What you're in Dallas. You're in fucking Pleasant Grove. Sounds nice. You're in an apartment complex parking lot. According to investigators, the altercation occurred when the suspect was selling the carcass to the victim, who planned to eat the animal. The pair apparently began arguing over the price of the item when the man threw the armadillo at the woman. The animal first struck the woman in the leg and then in her chest. She was reportedly bruised by the attack. <laughs> Detectives have been unable to find the man who could face assault charges. I, I need to understand a few things, Cecil. You have to help me clear okay, this up. Okay, go ahead. Okay. So you have a frozen armadillo. <laughs> Down my trousers. <laughs> <laughs> you meet someone in the parking lot to sell it. Right. Presumably, this has been prearranged. Right. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Craigslist. That's how you do it. There's a whole selling and buying armadillo thing on Craigslist. There's a, there's a tab on the top. I would guess that in Texas, an armadillo doesn't stay frozen long <laughs> in the parking lot, right? It's not like... I don't think the guy has a fucking like churros cart. No, he's got, full a, he's of got frozen a, armadillos. He's got an ice cream truck and plays the <laughs> pop goes the weasel song. Armadillos his. <laughs> I got armadillos. Uh. Armadillo on a stick. <laughs> so they start griping about the price. Right, sure. Well, I, you would think that they would have covered like covered that beforehand, but how much can a frozen armadillo cost? Look. How much meat is on an armadillo? I'm looking at one of these things. It, it, it definitely costs more than he, than she was willing to spend. That's for sure. Fair enough, right? <laughs> so he chucks it at her. Right, sure. It hits her in the leg. Right. And then in the chest. Right. It traveled up. Do you want to know how he did that? I do. Because he throws an armadillo like Captain America throws a shield. That's how. I'm <laughs> <laughs> thinking of, like, the magic bullet theory. You oh, know? Yeah, like, absolutely. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> it. Well, he can ricochet. He has, the, he has a mutant power. He can ricochet armadillos off of surfaces. So that's it, what he did. He hit her leg, and then it bounced up. I think she was kneeling down or something. That doesn't even make sense. She was what? upside down. She was hanging what? upside no, I'm down. I'm trying to imagine. That's like, what she was. She was hanging upside down like a bat from a tree. <laughs> was the armadillo thrown at her with such force that it hit her leg and then bounced up? <laughs> I'm thinking it's in a bag and he used it like a bolo. He's just spinning what? around. It's like a <laughs> it's sling. Like a- he's like fucking whipping it at Goliath. He's just like got his armadillo and he's spinning around and he lets go. It hits and that, you know, just the spin of it just bounces it into her chest. Maybe he like curved it into a boomerang shape before he froze it. <laughs> he's like out in the parking lot just practicing his armadillo boomeranging, you know, when the woman comes by and just casually inquires about the price of this armadillo. <laughs> Are we... Are we really this me, my good sir. How much is that frozen armadillo you seem to be spinning around? That's a fine-looking boomerang armadillo you got there. (laughs) Are you going to eat that? Oh, yeah, (laughs) that's awesome, yeah. How much meat is on an armadillo? I'm amazed by this. We're, we're, We're so broke as a country now that we're eating armadillos? So we got some uh, some emails, some comments um, on our Facebook page. We got a uh, suggestion by Rob that we check out War of the Worldviews, Science versus Spirituality. 
Um, this is a uh, book that is duly authored by Deepak Chopra and Leonard. <laughs> I'm sorry, Leonard. I can't. I just can't. I even listened to the to the video where they introduce you and the and Larry King's just like, and then we got Deepak Chopra and Leonard. He <laughs> does the same thing. He can't pronounce it. I really am sorry. It's it's M L O D I N O W Malad. Now I'm gonna guess. I'm probably horribly butchering that. Um, this looks like a decent half a book. Yeah. Guess which half? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really have an interest in in um, reading a book that that juxtaposes science with nonsense. Yeah. That we have a show for that. It's called Cognitive Dissonance. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, you know, I just don't, I, I am not going to give uh, credence to anything Deepak Chopra says. I've listened to the guy speak, and uh, all he does is put together a, a, like a string of buzzwords. And I just don't want to, I don't want to sit through a whole half of a book that's just a string of buzzwords. It's not going to, it's not going to do anything for me. Yeah, and Deepak Chopra, I've heard him, he's all style and no substance. Well, there's nothing there. There's nothing interesting that he's ever fucking said or anything intelligible he's ever fucking said. It's a string of nonsensical scientific and, and new age sounding words blended together in a fucking blend tech. You know, like it's it's like he throws his thoughts and is like, will it blend? <laughs> I say, oh, here's what I say. I say, if you want to sit through and sift through this book, I think that it's probably a good idea if, if you're open to that, if you think that you could give Deepak Chopra a chance. I just won't give him that chance. Like, prove to me that you are you have something to say other than buzzwords, and I'll give you a chance. But I just don't think he has anything else to say, so I won't give him that chance. Um, I think there's some people that you just have to treat as suspect right away. There's no there's no way I'm going to believe anything that, Ke- like, Kevin Trudeau says. Absolutely. Like, if Kevin Trudeau writes a book, which he has several times, I'm not going to give that book any credence. I'm not going to open it. I'm not going to crack it. Uh, I'm not going to pretend that it's it has anything to say. It's just – it's going to be garbage. It's going to be fraud because that's what he's good at. So we got a comment from John on our uh, last episode. John commented that uh, he, hurry, he hopes they hurry up and get the Yeti ready to run for the next <laughs> presidential election. I wonder if he looks like Bumble from Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. They would have captured him, but they knocked him off a cliff accidentally. So bad times. Bumble. That is awesome. Uh, yeah, I, I, you know, maybe, maybe one of them, maybe one of the people that are running right now is a shaved Yeti. I'll let you decide who. (laughs) Yeti Santorum. Oh, I actually think it's Bachman, but I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> that would explain the confused yeah. look on her face all the time. It like, would certainly explain those here? eyes, that's for sure. Where are my snowy <laughs> mountains? <laughs> all right, so we got uh, an email also from uh, from Eric. Now, this was a couple days ago before we did our last podcast and we neglected it on our previous show, so we're going to talk about Eric's email now. Eric said that he's reading Demon Haunted World, and uh, and he's liking it so far. He wanted to make one suggestion uh, that uh, when we discuss something that is blatantly anti-science, if we could give some of the actual science that refutes the nut jobs. Uh, I will say that that oftentimes when we do that, um, the things are included in the articles that we're reading. Um, and and like a lot of people who've commented in the past <laughs> and said we're not a science show, uh, we're not. We are not a science show, and we don't we don't have uh, we, we don't have, first off, we don't have the time, uh, to do that sort of thing because the show is kind of, uh, high maintenance. 
Um, but also, we just don't we we just don't feel like that's kind of the show that we've built. Yeah, I, I appreciate the the uh, comment very much. I appreciate the the thoughts and the suggestions. We want your thoughts and suggestions on how to make this show a better show. Um, I don't think we're going to do this just because I don't think that we have, to be honest, the the. The credentials to do that, and not in the way that you want it to. Do. I was trying to make I was trying to make myself feel better by not saying that, but go ahead. And oh no, I'll not- just tell you, I'm not. No, no, I, you know, Cecil and I don't work in the sciences. Yeah. Um, we both appreciate the sciences. We're interested. We're, um, you know, I, I, I tried to read a fair amount of, of science, uh, you know, but it's popular science that I read. You know, not science fiction, but I read um, books like Demon Haunted World. I read books like Dawkins's books, which I've read most of now. I, you know. Things like that are um, science books, but they're not. They don't give me an ath- a position to speak from authority as far as you know. Hey, the science here is valid or invalid. I have to take other people's word on that. And so, since I'm relying sort of on secondhand credentialing, I don't really feel comfortable um, laying out the scientific case for things. Um, we'll we'll reference materials when possible. Um, but Eric, we really appreciate the suggestion. Thank you very much. Um, anyone who has suggestions to make our show better, uh, try to condense it. <laughs> That's the put it in real simple language. That's all we're saying. I would use small font too to keep it within a certain hundred or two pages. So now, now Tom, we have gotten a lot of comments on our blog, and Tom is going to read a few of these comments. We got one from episode eight. Um, there is evidently a lot now. Episode eight, the title of it was "Hot Sex with a Fire Goddess." <laughs> There is evidently a lot to realize about this. I suppose you made certain nice points and features also. Yeah, well, we did. We did. There certainly is a lot to realize about hot sex with a fire yeah. goddess. You I love these bots. Are, these bots. You certainly are, are a bot, that's for sure. Right. Yeah. Um, it's the best time to make some plans for the future, and it is time to be happy. I've read this post, and if I could wish to suggest you some interesting things or advice... <laughs> Maybe you can write next articles referring to this article. I want to read even more things about it. Okay, so basically what we're saying here is that all we get is bots that fucking post comments on our fucking blog. So please, if you have something to say and you want other people to see it, um, you can either go to the Facebook page or post it on our blog. Um, We got an email from ZV470 on Twitter. Uh, He sent us a, a direct email. And uh, and he said it's a bit embarrassing to uh, to be mentioned on your show. Hey, ZV four seventy zero, we're here to embarrass <laughs> you one more time. Um, and and we actually got into a little bit of a discussion about about what uh, what happened with Steve Jobs. And uh, and ZV four seventy is an Apple apologist, and he's a Steve Jobs apologist. Um, and uh, and he says that he says that he had heard some some things, and I guess in his biography that's coming out, uh, Steve Jobs actually regretted his decision. Uh, to not get the get the surgery early on, and uh, and it, it turned out to haunt him later on. So uh, so he realized he made a mistake, and maybe you know that that doesn't that doesn't surprise me Mm-mm. that uh, that in hindsight you would see that. But uh, but yeah, I think it's a sad thing, and we we talked about it a little bit online, and and it, and he's right. He's you know it's it's a t- it's a tough thing that uh, that Steve Jobs wound up choosing the wrong path. Uh, when you know it's pretty evident that uh, that you know the surgery could have helped him out a lot more. But we're, we're happy for all our New Zealand listeners. And I saw recently the guy who said that we were uh, that we were too American. Actually, uh, his 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 Twitter handle, I believe, is at uncaring tulip. Uh, he had said to us, he had said 
he had mentioned us on Twitter as a podcast that he listens to now. So I don't th- I think we have de-Americanized enough to reach some of those New Zealand listeners, and we're very happy to do so. Well, American presidential politics are deeply important to the New Zealanders. <laughs> I don't. I know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So we got a message from Kobe. Um, He uh, just heard our last episode with the Jerusalem school segregation. Um, He also sent us a link, um, and I I have actually read this article, that the same shit is happening in New York. Uh, New York has a bus line that is requiring uh, girls and women to sit in the back of the bus. And uh, (laughs) if they don't, they're harassed by uh, the the Jewish community that that rides this bus. I think they're Orthodox or ultra-Orthodox Jews. I don't recall. Uh, well, that's insane. You know, what else are you going to say about that? Kobe, thanks for sending us the story. <laughs> I'll tell you, I, did you, what is with the picture here? I do not understand the picture. Does that person have a cake on their head? <laughs> what is happening I know, I love this. And he's got like his cake box there. Yeah. It's like it's he's like wearing a, a snare like drum, a, like a fuzzy like a, snare drum. It's like a cake hat with a chin strap. Like it's the strangest looking hat I've ever seen. It, it's super, super, super odd. Um, I really don't understand how this happens in New York. Yeah, I don't either. Um, I mean, really? Back of the bus? We've kind of got a bad history of that. Yeah. So we also got a comment from uh, from Dumbass. Dumbass said he doesn't see any reason why the percentage of people who vote should be higher. He doesn't care about that. He also feels that um, there are plenty of good reasons to not want to vote, um, particularly if you don't like the candidates. And he doesn't agree with the idea that if you don't vote, you don't have the right to bitch. Uh, I, I'm sorry. I, I strongly disagree with you there. I think um, there are people all over the world who uh, have fought and continue to fight for the right to be unhappy with the candidates they're presented. And uh, <laughs> I feel, you know, look, uh, we have we have limited opportunities in this country, Tom, to uh, to participate in our democracy. There's very limited opportunities for me to actually participate. And Really, one of the few things I get to do as a citizen of this country is walk into that voting booth and choose who I want to, to be elected. Now, I understand the, the, the hesitation that people have when they say, well, I don't like the people that are running. And I get that. I don't know that I liked anybody that I voted for in the past. You know, I've been voting for, at this point, 20 years. And I don't know that I've, I have uh, voted for anybody really that I've liked. I don't know that that's a requirement for somebody to be in office. Uh, I, I don't know that I'm ever going to get to know these people uh, in, in any way, in any real way anyway. I feel like what I'm going to probably have to do is get to know, you know, what they're trying to sell me and decide whether or not that is a good thing or a bad thing. I think being an informed voter in this country is not a hard thing to do. I think voting in an election is a pretty easy thing to do. And I think if you don't participate in the election, you're basically opting out of a system that a lot of people would fight and die for. I get not being uh, sold 100% on a candidate, but I don't understand in a, in a period of, of American history where we are so polarized um, that you don't see one of the two options as more frightening than the other. Right. You know, even if you don't like anybody else, and I know that's a shitty thing to, to I know it's demoralizing. I recognize that. Fucking, I'm demoralized too. Yeah. But um, I vote. I absolutely vote because, I, you know, I don't know that I necessarily think things are going to get better, but I feel like they can get a lot worse. 
Yeah, and I would I would urge people who are not informed not to vote. I would I, I understand that gripe, and I get that. I, I recognize that if you're not an informed person, you probably shouldn't be voting because chances are the only information you're getting is off of attack ads and garbage like that, and that's not worth anything. Your vote is basically useless. But I think that people who people should spend a few minutes, you know, gosh, it's it's under you know under 200 minutes a year to be informed about the politics that are going to affect your life and affect the lives of everybody in this country. Um, it's a responsibility, really, yeah, of, of the people who, who live here. So uh, we want to end the show uh, talking about uh, a, a very uh, – an interview Tom and I are going to be doing soon. It's not going to be happening right away, uh, but we're going to be doing an interview soon uh, with a guy by the name of Pat. And uh, he runs a podcast uh, – uh, from the Birmingham Skeptics. It's called Skeptics in the Pub. And uh, you can reach it. Uh, it actually has a radio station. I'm just going to, I'm going to, I'm going to put the link in our, in our, uh, on our web notes. So you can just go straight there, but it's skeptics in the pub, all one word, dot co dot UK. And there's a ton of different, uh, I'm actually on the, uh, on the podcast page and there's a ton of podcasts here. So if you, if you want to listen to a good podcast, it's an interview podcast. He has, uh, he has a lot of podcasts here that, that interview a lot of great people. And there's a lot of people on here. I remember I was scrolling through. I listened to the Stephen Novella show. Uh, I listened to a couple other ones. They're very good. Um, and we're going to be on the show soon. Uh, we're not sure exactly when this is going to happen. Uh, we have to talk to him. We have to set up a date. We have to talk to him, actually do the interview still. But this is in the works, and we're going to be on somebody else's show eventually, and we will plug it again when that comes up. But we wanted to make sure that we plugged it ahead of time so you had an opportunity to listen to this great show. And then I think we're also going to have him on our show. Right. We are. We're gonna we're gonna have uh, we're gonna have Pat on our show for a segment to talk about a news item too, uh, and he was excited to do this. So it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be in the future. We're not sure when because uh, we have to set it up like a week in advance. Um, and Tom and I's schedules are gonna be messed up for a little while. In fact, next week I'm probably gonna be recording on the road. So there's some crazy stuff that's gonna be happening in the near future. Um, but we're gonna definitely do this, and this is gonna be in the near future. And then we're also hoping to have another guest eventually, another surprise guest later on. But that still has to get hammered out. Okay, so until next time, uh, we are going to leave you, as always, with uh, the Skeptic's Creed. Credulity is not a virtue. It's fortune cookie cutter, mommy issue, hypno Babylon bullshit. Couched in scientician, double bubble, toil and trouble, pseudo quasi alternative, acupunctuating, pressurized, stereogram, pyramidal, free energy, healing, water, downward spiral, brain dead pan, sales pitch, late night info docutainment. Leo Pisces, Cancer Cures, Detox, Reflex, Foot Massage, Death in Towers, Tarot Cars, Psychic Healing, Crystal Balls, Bigfoot, Yeti, Aliens, Churches, Mosques, and Synagogues, Temples, Dragons, Giant Worms, Atlantis, Dolphins, Truthers, Birthers, Witches, Wizards, Vaccine Nuts, Shaman Healers, Evangelists, Conspiracy, Doublespeak, Stigmata, Nonsense. Expose your signs. Thrust your hands, bloody, evidential, conclusive. Doubt even this. Thank you for listening to Cognitive Dissonance. If you want to reach us by phone, you can call us at 740-743-6828. That's 740-74-DOUBT. Long distance rates apply. Send us an email at dissonance.podcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at dissonance underscore pod.